0: You see, I love you. Please don't break my heart into. That's the hard to do cause I don't have a When Elvis Presley entered American Studios via the back door in January 1969, he was stepping into unfamiliar territory. This was to be the first time he'd recorded outside of Nashville or Hollywood in 14 years his career was in decline. Eight years of B-grade Hollywood movies had seen to that. The revolutionary forces that he'd personally unleashed a decade before were now being channeled through The Beatles, The Stones and Dylan. The King had lost his crown, but a recent NBC special where he'd performed before a live audience for the first time in years was acclaimed by the fans and critics alike. He wanted to use the momentum from that TV special to revive his career. American Studios in North Memphis was the next step. It was recommended because it was handy. It boasted one of the hottest house bands in the country, and its owner-driver was Chips Moman. Moman had had a bitter experience as a founding member of the legendary Stax label across town he was squeezed out just as it was beginning to prosper and was determined to never let that happen again. An accomplished guitarist and songwriter, he loved nothing more than creating hit records in his own ramshackle little building. He was good at it. In just over five years, American Studios placed more than a hundred songs on the billboard charts. The only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. Moman was a strong personality, and insisted on strict control in his little house. A sharp contrast to the deferential atmosphere that Elvis was used to. His first move was to clear the studio of the entourage of minders and helpers known as the Memphis Mafia. If Elvis was to bear his soul, there could be no security blankets around. Moman had a reputation for being abrasive, but when the sessions got underway, He directed Elvis firmly but calmly. For his part, Elvis, battling bronchitis, accepted Moman's direction with humility and committed himself to the process. In a rare move, he pushed back against his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, to fight for songs he believed in, whether the Colonel had a financial stake in them or not. Walking through... In the ghetto may sound innocuous by today's standards, but a message song was a risk for Elvis. He balked at it initially, but with some encouragement, he recorded it. As the snow flies... On a cold and grey Chicago morning A poor little baby child is born in the ghetto... The sessions lasted ten days. On the final day, at four in the morning, they began recording Suspicious Minds. Three hours later, musicians began filing out of American studios, buzzing with excitement. Elvis was elated. It became his first number one hit since 1962 and provided the springboard for a triumphant season at Las Vegas just six months later. A soul hit, complete with a Beatles-style false fade, suddenly Elvis was up to date. With cracks already appearing in his two-year marriage to Priscilla, Elvis sings with conviction and Chip's Moments house band rises to the occasion. In In their 500 greatest songs of all time, Rolling Stone call it his masterpiece. The crowning glory of Suspicious Minds, for me at least, is the female chorus. Eleven strong, part opera, part gospel, they soar and swoop their way through the back half of the song, as if to proclaim, the king is back, long live the king. Why can't you see what you're doing? Don't let a good See